Welcome to the Raising Them Ready podcast. Here we encourage and support parents who are doing the best they know how to raise their kids to become confident, capable, and kind in what can feel like a half-crazy and often unpredictable world. I'm Jonathan Kathman. I'm a family man, career sociologist, and best-selling author who believes our children's greatness tomorrow begins with good guidance today. This week we are discussing family fights, specifically your family fight plan. Now every family knows how easy it can be for disagreements to escalate into near mortal combat, clash of the titans kind of conflicts that the neighbors will for sure be talking about. Yet do you know there are a few simple steps you can follow that will help your family avoid battle scarring the ones that they love and care about the most. I've invited my longtime friend and social emotional learning expert Jeff Becker to join us on this episode of the Raising the Ready podcast. A seasoned middle, high school, and university educator, former school counselor, and founder of In Control SEL, Jeff and his team are currently creating some of the best SEL video curriculum I've ever seen. As husband and father in a loving family, Jeff knows the importance of creating a family fight plan that allows everyone to keep calm and move on in a way that avoids driving painful wedges between parents and their kids. So welcome to a peaceful conversation about raising confident, capable, and kind kids in a family who knows how to fight fair by following a family fight plan. Hey, Jeff. What's up? What's the uh, first rule of Family Fight Club? Ooh, we don't talk about Family Fight Club. Yeah, that's what we're here (laughs) to talk about. Do we have to pay royalties on that line? I wonder if we do. Nah. First rule of fight clubs, you don't talk about fight club, but we're here to talk about (laughs) family fights because we all get in family fights. Been in one lately? Me? No. No, you're violating the rule already, man. You're not supposed to talk about family fights. (laughs) I engaged. That's right. We we, we don't fight much at our house. No. No. Never? Tell me the secret there. No, we don't don't fight much because there's a high level of respect. But but man, Mm. when you've got this many... Um, kind of packed personalities in one house. Yeah, when yeah. it goes, it goes. And sometimes it can go good. It's. I think it's the investment levels. Like the stakes feel really high, at least in my house. I think that's one of the reasons for the fights is that, you know, you just, it's a pressure cooker of a job being a parent, man. Being a parent's hard. You know what? I think it's hard being a kid too. But being a parent raising kids today in comparison to maybe the way we grew up can cause conflict. It can be one of the greatest blessings in the world as we watch our kids discover and become all they're created to be, yet there's still tension from time to time. And I'm not saying don't fight, and I'm sure you wouldn't say the same thing. Families are gonna fight, but we gotta learn to fight fair. You are an expert in family fight fairness. Is that a phrase? (laughs) Well, I love what you said there, Jonathan. uh, uh, Somebody actually just said this to me recently and I thought of you because you say this a lot. Uh, when iron sharpens iron, there are going to be sparks. Yeah. I just, I, I immediately thought of you, man. I know you're big on iron sharpening iron. The whole statement goes something like this. As iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. But if you've ever seen that process, sparks are flying, heat is produced, and it's really loud. The key yep. to that iron sharpening iron is the angle. When the angle's right, we end up better tooled for our design, sharp and ready. Whereas if the angle's off, it's still loud, there's still sparks, there's still a ton of heat, but we end up dull and dented. So yeah, iron sharpens iron when the angle's right. And I think that's the value Beautiful of metaphor. fighting fair is you got to get your angle right. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And there are wrong ways to do it, you know, because there is there's value there to a to a good family disagreement. I mean, if if you build that trust and you learn that uh, everybody in this household is all just out for the for the betterment of each other, there's there can be a lot that that falls out from a good a good disagreement. And, you know, when you can get to that point where your your family members, all the stakeholders in the family know that disagreements and conflict are really just a uh, it's a process to to find the best solution moving forward. That way we can, you know, reach whatever our goals are as our family. So families are going to fight. We know that. I don't think we should shy away from disagreements. What's critical is that when we approach those disagreements, we have some kind of a plan. And I call this resolve. To know what you're going to do before you end up in a situation where you're trying to figure out what to do in the midst of the situation. And you, sir, have four steps to help families fight right with the kind of resolve that will end not in the conflict of the family, but in the collection of the family so that they're better at the end than when they maybe even they began. Yeah, that, and that's fantastic. I love what you said about resolve. You're right, we do need to have these pre-choice choices. We need to have these pre-pivots, they call them in the business world, because um, we what we know about our brains is that when there are these high tension moments in our amygdala or our fear center that's always looking for threats to the tribe or is that when that amygdala gets firing off is that our our prefrontal cortex and our logic center just completely shuts down and there's this uh, huge adrenaline dump that happens and and we go right into caveman battle mode so jeff give us the four steps yeah absolutely so uh, you want to plan this while you're calm I just want to say that is before you even get into a fight, because again, we know that our brain isn't working right. So the four steps are, or the four things that you need to plan are, what will I say? Where will I go? What will I do when I get there? And what does my child need to know? And how can I facilitate that? Okay. So now it puts the responsibility back on me before the fight to recognize yeah. I'm resolving now what I'm going to do later. I love this. Okay, so let's start with the what do I say? Wait, by the way, could there also be what I don't say? I think that's fantastic. I think that's fantastic because, uh, I mean, again, when you're in that fight or flight caveman brain kind of, you know, a uh, thing, a lot of things can fly out of your mouth. And that's, that's what we're trying to do at the beginning of this recording. You said it yourself is that um, the goal is to remain close. And sometimes in a in an ugly moment, and and I'm not perfect at this. I mess this up all the time. Still, we call that and practice. the list for the listeners. You're gonna you're gonna mess it up too, and that's that's part of life. And you got to forgive yourself. But again, this is about creating a plan moving forward. So yeah, what what do you right. not say? So what do I say? What what would be an example of what should I say? My I, my emotions are high. The fight is beginning, mm -hmm. and I need to go to the what I've already decided I'm gonna say when I feel this way. Give us an example. Yeah, uh, here's the example that we use in our house is, dad needs a minute, hang tight. You can say whatever it is, it just needs to be short. Dad needs to get out of the room. Mom needs a minute, hang tight, I gotta take a breath real quick. It's just something short, sweet to the point that you can say, so that way those ugly things don't come out. So as a family, if say there's four of us in the family, maybe we should all have the thing that we say when we need to take that breath, take a minute. And so the rest of the family would obviously need to know what that is. So this, is a, this is a conversation we have in calm when we're not fighting. Look, yeah. family, we're going to have a fight inevitably in the time in months to come. When that begins to occur, I have this phrase I want to use to help me stay calm when we're in a disagreement. 
And here it is. What would you all like me to be listening for when we have a disagreement that I need to respect that you need to take a breath? Yeah, that's right. So for an example, my daughter, Sophie, while my daughter is in one of these conflicts with myself or my wife or her brother or whoever, um, once upon a time, I thought, you know, because I'm Mr. SEL guy, I, I, I teach a master's degree course in, in social emotional learning strategies. And I'm, I'm, I'm basically pinning her down, trying to make her doing breathing exercises. And she is spiraling, Jonathan. It's like, her, and she's a redhead, so she like has that extra gear of angry. So like her face is turning purple. She's screaming, and now I have her crying. And I'm like, no, breathe up through your nose, five seconds. And she's like, yeah, oh, what you know? And she's she was probably four or five years old at the time. The, just to give you a little context, highly but, logical age. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Calm down, Sophie. We need to do some mindfulness. Oh yes, <laughs> I couldn't believe that didn't work. <laughs> but yeah, no. So so yeah, she that would have been fantastic if at that time she had something that was very easily articulated from her end. Whereas a parent, I can recognize, say, you know what? Yeah, she's, she's going to need a minute. She's going to need a minute. Okay. So following, what do I say? You've yeah. got, where do I go? Yeah. Where will I go? Flying off the handle. I'm going to go crazy. That's not what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not, uh, not going to join the circus. That's what my mom used to always say. All right, guys, see you later. I'm going to go join the circus. So where will I go? Do you have a, a safe place to go? And so with this step and the next step, it's it's probably somewhere personal. Like uh, you want to go somewhere that's just very calm, whether that's outside, out back on the deck. Uh, if you have a man cave or if you have, what do they call them, a she shed? But again, the whole idea is let's think of that while we're calm <laughs> instead of what, trying to figure that out when we're not so calm. If you know what you're going to say, and then you know where you're going to go, your emotions aren't ramped up to 10 yet. And so mm -hmm. hopefully when you say the right thing and then go to the right place, you're still in your own mind able to manage the situation rather than right. try to figure out how to fix everything that just went wrong. Yeah, that's right. The object is to not let it get to that 10 where you're just the Tasmanian devil just saying all kinds of terrible stuff. Absolutely. Okay. So Parent, you've said to your family, to your kids, I need a minute. You've gone to your safe space. That's your place. No one's knocking on the door saying, come back out. We have to finish this. They're respecting you. Now, what do you do when you get there? Right, so yeah, just, so, just scroll through social media. That's a good idea. Well, actually, Jonathan, you're, you're going to hate that. I'm going to say it. Well, maybe you won't. Hate's a strong word anyway. But so there are, there are different types of emotion regulation. So there's a ton of brain research on this. Um, there's one that's called attentional control. There's one that's cognitive reappraisal. And then there's the other one, which is response modulation. So going backwards, back up that list, response modulation is, I feel like I'm going to cry. I'm going to hold it in. I'm going to hold in that response. I'm going to bury it. I'm just, you know, it's that feeling in your gut, like, oh, I better hold this together. Whatever it is, anxiety, fear, happiness, sadness. If you're in the wrong context, you're just going to have to figure that out. Uh, cognitive reappraisal is stopping and taking a more logical approach, which again, this context doesn't really lend itself to that. Um, these are different tools for different times. But the other one, uh, the first one that I mentioned is uh, attentional control. So essentially what you're doing is you're just distracting yourself because research is also very clear that when you have that adrenaline dump, it can take upwards to 10 minutes for you to metabolize all of those brain chemicals that are just running wild through you. So sometimes, and we teach this to students all the time, is that sometimes, especially for students in class or 
a child that's in a home in close proximity, you just need to distract yourself. Okay. So long as you're on social media for distraction and not to post about your family. Yes, that's a very good, <laughs> that's a very good clarification. Because that's point. the yeah. next fight you're going to get in. What did you yeah. say about us? Okay, yeah. I can agree yeah, thank, with that. Thanks for posting. Yep, I, I can agree with that. So know what I'm going to do when I get there. I know what I say. I know where I'm going to yeah. go. And I know what I'm going to do because all in the context of this is to protect myself and the people whom I love the most, which is my family. That's right. And if, if I can, Jonathan, could I uh, offer up some really practical ones? Oh, please, please. So I remember when I was five or six, I was watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And if you're a millennial and you're like, what's that? Go back and watch the documentary. It's fantastic. So Fred Rogers, he was like the OG of social and emotional learning, uh, emotion regulation. But this one particular episode, I remember him saying, when you get mad, there are different things you can do. And one of them is pound some clay. And I remember the next time I got mad, I immediately thought of Fred Rogers with his cardigan and his kids. And I run over to my Play-Doh and I get some out and, I, uh, and I'm punching this, this big thing of Play-Doh. But the problem was, is that right after that, I was like, that didn't work. I'm still pretty ticked off. Hmm. And so there are a million ways to modulate your own responses and, and to distract yourself. Let me give you some practical ones see which ones might work for you. They, some might work, some might not, but here's some non weird ones. I'm not asking anyone to, you know, go into full meditation and light incense. And although that works for my wife, so we'll do that. Different strokes for different folks, man. It's all good. As long as you find yours. Yep. So one is one's box breathing. So whatever you do is you look around you and you try to find something that is square. So for instance, the, the computer screen in front of me, it's a, it's a rectangle. What you want to do is you want to trace it with your eyes. So you want to do a uh, breathe up through your nose uh, for a four count as you trace the, the one side. Uh, then you hold it for four seconds as you trace the top. Then you exhale as you trace the, the next side. And then you hold it as you trace the bottom. Again, there's a ton of brain research that helps us to qu more quickly metabolize all of that, those brain chemicals, the adrenaline, cortisol, stuff like that. So another thing is you can do five things. So this is engaging all of your senses to distract yourself is uh, five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, one thing you can taste. I know I rapid fired them, but challenge yourself to find five things in the room you can see. You know, I can see I have a light right here. I have a camera right in front of me. I have a computer right next to it. I have a computer charger right here, and there's my phone. And then four things you can touch. Then three things you can hear, two things you can smell, one thing you can taste. By the time you get finished that little scavenger hunt, chances are you're going to feel a lot better than you did. Uh, or you can just listen to music, uh, scroll through your phone a little bit. Uh, go to your happy place. Think about a vacation that you've taken recently that you really enjoyed. But again, I think the most practical one for us as families and parents is distract ourselves for long enough so we can just come down. And breathe. Also giving your child some options for them to do the same thing as well. Yeah. My kids would say to me every now and then, Dad, you need to take a breath. That was them <laughs> phrasing what I should yeah. be saying. I need to take a breath. And, yeah. and it'd be best if you would go to your office to do that. So there's my place. And then what do I do yep. when I get there? Literally breathe. Take a breath. Mm -hmm. I like the box breathing analogy you gave yeah. there. Something to distract myself, to calm down. Because what what matters most is what really happens 
next because I want mm-hmm. my kids to learn something. This is your fourth step, right? Or yeah. and maybe yep. it's maybe even I'm learning something in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent because sometimes when we're caught up in these uh, highly emotional moments and when we are trying to impose our will instinctually as parents, and I'm again, I'm speaking for myself. Sometimes I can forget the reason that I'm even puffing up in the first place. It Why kinda, are we even start- fighting about this? You ever wonder, what are we even right. fighting about? Yeah. Right, right. And so sometimes when you get into it and it's just this big heated moment, you, you lose sight of that. And uh, again, I'm going to speak about my ugly self. Sometimes I just, I'm in it to win it at, at certain points when my brain shuts down and I'm feeling competitive and angry. And why would you do this? Uh, sometimes I forget that the goal isn't to win. The -hmm. goal is for all of us to come out better and to have learned from this whole situation. And for me to be able to calmly communicate in a way, the things that are concerning me and why they're concerning me. Uh, So that's this whole thing is asking yourself, um, what is it that I want my child to learn? How can I best facilitate that? Um, But I really love what you said. What can I do as somebody that's an adult that's attempting to lead you? What can I do better to make sure that this doesn't happen again? And here's the thing. The kid might say something completely egregious and almost send you back in that angry moment like, well, you can stop being such a jerk. And you're like, oh, and then it's just sometimes it's more about allowing them to uh, to weigh in so that they can commit to the real goal, which is, again, everybody staying close as a family unit and coming out better than they were before they had the disagreement. Like we said at the beginning, parenting is hard. It's a difficult calling, task, job, purpose, yeah. mission, all these things. Recognizing that as parents, we aren't going to get it right. Probably not the first time, second time, third time, hundredth time sometimes. But if mm-hmm. we're trying to be better as parents, that makes all the difference in the world. And these four steps will help us be better when it comes to the family fight. One thing I'd say to my sons uh, when they were growing up, I remember uh, Reed was 13 and he and I just had a, a knockdown blowout yelling match from the top of the stairs. He's standing and the bottom of the stairs I'm defending hmm. and when it was all said and done. And he and I are sitting together and we are both crying and apologizing to one another. I said, look, man, I've never been the dad of a 13 year old before. And he goes, that's okay, because I've never been 13 before. (laughs) And I said, I'm going to get, I got it wrong. I got it wrong. And I'm probably going to get it wrong again real soon. But I'm going to try to be better. And and he appreciated that. Some time later, years later, the same exact scenario with our next son, Cole. He's at the top of the stairs. I'm at the bottom of the stairs. And when the whole blow up is over, I sat with him and I said, hey, Cole, I'm going to tell you something I told your brother, and I'm still learning from it, that I've never been the dad of a 13-year-old before. And he looks at me like, wait a minute, you've already been down this road with Reed. He's He's been 13, so I'm round number two. And I said, I've never been the dad of a 13-year-old like you before. And what I got right with your brother is not working with you the same way. So I've got to learn to be a better dad in a way that works for us. And the other thing I did that I think worked really well was when the family was completely calm, there's no fight in sight, past, present, or future. Uh, just look at the family over dinner and say something like, is there something mm-hmm. I can do to be a better dad? What can I do yeah. to be a better husband? And we would have a very calm conversation about little things that I did that, that I can improve on or things I was doing really well that they wanted to see more of. 
Mm. Those things not only helped us through fights, but also helped us avoid conflict. So parents, hang in there. You'll get better at it, but kid round number two is going to be different than, than round one. We're always rookies, you know, because there's always different phases. And like you said, there's just so many variables from child to child. Everyone's a rookie parent. I love that. Yeah. That's a great phrase. Everyone's right a rookie. We're just out here winging it, Jonathan. Nah, <laughs> not with, not with these four steps. We're not winging it with these four steps. These are yeah. helpful parents are going to find great value in this. I hope so. That, that's the hope. Oh, they will. They absolutely will. Okay, so conflict just occurred. What do we do now? The, the, the heat is turned up. I'm feeling them, feeling the burn here. Yep. So I'm gonna, what I'm going to say is I'm taking 10 minutes. I need to go get away by myself. So again, just something short, sweet. Dad's got to go. Give wait, me wait. Minutes. Is this like, okay, so let's give the example. My child comes in late from mm. when they said they were going to be home. So you know, it's now midnight. They said 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. They're driving my car. I don't know where they are. They roll in the house like nothing happened. And the first thing I'm supposed to tell yep. you is I need 10 minutes. You say, park it right there. I need about 10 minutes to formulate what I want to say. I've been sitting on the couch formulating what I'm going to say for the last hour. Well, if you're not ready to say it when that kid walks through the door and you feel those emotions spike, then, you know, the wrong move is just to lay into that child because that's the very first step in emotion regulation is having that self-awareness to know when you are able to speak or when you are not. So that's the hardest part. So that hour-long wind-up I had waiting for my kid to get home is actually Mm -hmm. going to be as much conflict as the fact that they didn't let me know where they were or that they're going to be late. I, I'm all wound right. up. So really what's about to happen in the conflict is partially my doing in preparation for their arriving at home. That's right. And so that's when you're starting to feel that. And so it's not always when we get face to face. I love that. It's super practical, super realistic situation when you have kids that are 15, 16, 17 that think they're fully grown and they're not and they're making wild decisions is yeah, when you're in the waiting, if that's when your emotions are spiking, that's when you need to take the time. So, you know, sometimes it's not linear. When they walk through that door, have you done the the, the, pre, the pre-work before they even got home? Maybe you're, while you're ramped up, you're like, all right, I'm going to take a couple deep breaths. I'm going to listen to some music. I'm going to really relax. I'm going to kind of jot my thoughts down and, and think about what I want to say to my child, how I want to say it to my child. What do they need to learn? How am I going to deliver that message? You can do that work if, if there is that, you know, lull where there's that long tail of, when that conflict is about to happen. It's also in that time, I need to be willing to put myself in a position to seek first to understand what happened Mm -hmm. that caused the conflict. Why was the grade low? Why were they late? Why did they say that to grandma? Why haven't they mowed the lawn? Why isn't the trash taken out? Why is the dog still asking for dinner? Maybe I need to ask the question before I make the statement of what they've done wrong to seek better understanding of why things aren't as previously expected. Mm-hmm. So when, again, so that step one is when you're face to face, when you open that report card envelope right before dinner is put on the table and you're, you just go smoke coming out of the ears, Fred Flintstone mode, it's, I'm going to need to take about five or 10 minutes and then you're out of the room. Or when you come home after, you know, working nine and a half hours, putting food on the table and you see that the, the lawn is still knee high and your child hasn't done it. It is you walk in the door and you say, "Mm, I'm going to want to talk to you, but not right now, maybe in about five minutes. 
we've been in that situation in our home. And when I took that time, I heard the lawnmower fire up. There you yep. go. See that? Magic. I'm like, oh, see, see that? They know. Family fight plan. It, it works. totally changes the conversation <laughs> after that. It actually became yeah. a point of humor, and it was not a problem following that. Sure, but, but the first step is that self-awareness, man. Jeff, this is extremely helpful. Thank you very much. The expertise you bring to the topic of how a family can fight right with a family fight plan is going to be extremely helpful. Thank you very much for sharing this with our families. Jonathan, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. If the significance of creating a family fight plan knocked you upside the head in a good way, you can contact Jeff Becker through his website, incontrolsel.com. Special thanks to Jeff's wife and two kids for helping him craft and practice the family fight plan because we know you did. If you're learning from and enjoying this podcast, be sure to pick up a copy of the Raising Them Ready book. It's available wherever you buy your print, digital, and audio books. There you will also find our other best-selling life skills and personal development books for tweens, teens, young adults, parents, educators, and mentors. To learn more about my speaking engagement, parent and professional development workshops, and consulting services, please message me through our social media pages or email me through our website. You can find, follow, and like us on our Facebook and Instagram at Raising Them Ready Podcast or on our website at RaisingThemReady.com. Also, please follow and leave us up to a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions about topics or guests you'd like us to bring to the Raising Them Ready podcast, please contact us through our social media pages or website. Again, on Facebook and Instagram at Raising Them Ready podcast and online at RaisingThemReady.com. Thanks again for joining me and my guest, Jeff Becker, in today's discussion about raising confident, capable, and kind kids and a family who knows how to fight fair by following a family fight plan. Now go and enjoy the day. Knowing your child's greatness tomorrow begins with your guidance today.